all the way to 14 this morning. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be mindful of thy tears, excuse me, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, and an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy uh, by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Father, I thank you for this morning, and God, I thank you for the privilege we have to look at the Word of God. And God, I pray that you would help us, please, to see the truth of what your Word has for us. And God, I pray that you would strengthen your people. I pray that you would give us a vision this morning. I pray that you would help us to see what you have before us. May we truly grow in grace this morning through the word of God and through the power of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak on a subject this morning, tying in from last year and beginning into the theme of what we'll be looking at and unveiling in just a moment. I've entitled it, Authentic Faith Tested. Paul, in his first missionary journey, began at a place called Antioch. Antioch was a place in which Paul and Barnabas, as they began this missionary journey, preached the gospel. And at first it was well received. Many people came to know Christ as Savior. However, there were some Pharisees there were some who did not like what Paul was preaching and they began to cause trouble. They began to cause problems because he was teaching people about Jesus Christ. 
And because of his stance on the gospel and preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, they began a revolt or a rebellion against that, if you could will, uh, if you will, and actually threw Paul and Barnabas out of Antioch because of their hatred for Christ and the gospel. Paul and Barnabas continued in their ministry. God would continue to bless the people that got saved in Antioch, and Antioch became a mission-centered church, and it became a church in which would send out many missionaries, and God would bless that ministry abundantly there in Antioch. But Paul and Barnabas would travel on. And in doing so, they went to a place called Lystra. And as they entered Lystra from their ministry in Antioch, God began to do a work there in an amazing, amazing way. As they entered the city and began teaching the gospel like they had in Antioch, they came across a man who was crippled, crippled from birth. This man was known amongst the city. Paul and Barnabas began preaching the gospel and he heard of the hope in Jesus Christ. But what the gospel can do and how he could save and change his life for all of eternity. And this man found himself in the company with Paul. Paul, through the mighty power of God, miraculously healed this man. And this man who was crippled and well-known among the city suddenly was walking the streets praising and worshiping God for what God had done. What an incredible thing it was. The city became enthralled, captivated by this incredible miracle. A man who could never walk, a man who was crippled from birth, now was walking and praising God. It caused quite a stir. It caused quite a turning in Lystra. In fact, the Bible tells us that in Lystra, they were turned upside down for the gospel. That's how much it affected this city. It was a city in which people worshipped pagan gods. And the priest, the high priest of that city, hearing of the miracle of Paul and seeing all that was, being, all that was taking place and how things were shaping in Lystra now because of the message of Paul and Barnabas, claimed that Paul and Barnabas must be gods they called them mercury and jupiter claimed that they were incarnations of of pagan gods and began to organize a sacrifice to paul and barnabas paul heard about this he heard about the sacrifice that was attended he heard about the preparations going for this and he then approached them and said please do not do this He used all of his persuasive powers to prevent the people from offering the sacrifice. They did not offer the sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And the gospel continued its work and its power there in Lystra. Many were coming to Christ. Many were getting saved. Among those that got saved, there was a family. It was part Jew, part Gentile. There was a grandmother named Lois that got saved. She was a Jew. 
she was looking for the Messiah, and Paul introduced her to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and she got saved. But not only did the mother or grandmother got saved, but her daughter, also a mother, named Eunice, heard too of the gospel and maybe heard from Paul and or uh, Paul and Barnabas as they were preaching, or maybe it was from someone who got saved. We don't know. We know that the, however, uh, Lois did receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was married. Her husband was a Gentile. He was a Greek. He was one who would study and, of course, followed Greek mythology and would have had heroes like Alexander the Great and others as his ones that he would look to sadly the bible doesn't really portray or give us any inclination that this man ever came to know christ as a savior i can only envision as a father this man teaching what he knew what he trusted to his children i can envision this man teaching their son named Timothy about the Greek myths, about Alexander the Great and others that were truly heroes portrayed in their home. But yet this house was divided in a way because Eunice, his, grand, his mother, and Lois, his grandmother, had some different heroes. Certainly, Timothy, growing up, heard about the different pagan gods that the Greek mythology studies would have worshipped, but he also heard about the God of David, the God of Samson, the God of Samuel. He heard about Moses, and he heard about Noah. He heard about Daniel and others who, of course, were men who were valiant for the Lord God. And then... He too hears the gospel. We don't know exactly the setting, but from what we can gather through the New Testament and piecing pieces of the New Testament together, especially the epistles or the letters from Paul, we believe in Lystra, like Lois and Eunice, Timothy got saved. Timothy believed what his mother believed in the Lord God in Jesus Christ. Timothy trusted what his grandmother believed, Lois, that she truly had put her faith and trust in Christ. And that saved, the same Savior that saved Lois, the same Savior that saved his mother, would also save and redeem him. Timothy became enthralled or captivated in his heart with one of those men that were preaching the gospel in Lystra. His name was Paul. Their hearts became knit one to another. Paul was Timothy's hero. And as God was using the gospel in a powerful way in Lystra, those that were causing trouble in Antioch and Iconium heard that Paul was in Lystra preaching the gospel and they heard how this city was turning upside down for the gospel's sake. And they came to Lystra. 
And they began to use their lies and heresy to turn people's hearts away from the gospel and began to cause trouble and succeeded in stirring up a riot against Paul and Barnabas. Paul would end up being seized in Lystra. He would be dragged out of the city and stoned and left for dead. In fact, the Pharisees would not leave Paul until they were sure that he was dead. They were convinced that they had gotten rid of this troublemaker for preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. However, when they left, I can only envision as those who heard the gospel, maybe even Timothy himself, went out to the scene to see Paul lying still. The Jews leaving, satisfied that Paul was dead. And suddenly, Paul begins to move. Suddenly, Paul begins to shake the dust and to wipe off the stone, uh, stone dust off from off of his body and clothes and began to shake himself and went back into Lystra. What an incredible sight that must have been. Timothy truly loved Paul. Paul dearly loved Timothy. The heart of Timothy was truly given to Paul. But Paul did not stay in Lystra. Timothy would remain with his family, of course, and he began to grow in the Lord. Time passed and Paul finished his first missionary journey. Stay with me, we're trying to play some context for our text verse this morning, or our text verses this morning. Paul would begin a second missionary journey. And on this second missionary journey, Timothy would begin to play a part in the travels of Paul. Timothy would travel with Paul along his second missionary journeys to cities like Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Timothy would help uh, later after, uh, after leaving Paul for a time or the troubled church in Corinth. He would go back to Corinth and he would then begin to help them and encourage them to try to put order back into that ministry that was in disarray. He would even come back to Corinth eventually with Paul after Titus pastored that church for some time. Timothy traveled often with Paul. And so did a man named Luke. These two men were Paul's companions in travels and ministry. They were very dear to Paul. Both were very special to Paul. But Timothy had a special place in Paul's heart. As a father to a son. The Bible teaches us that Paul, or excuse me, Timothy would eventually go and pastor the church in Ephesus for a time. Apparently he was not there the entire length for he would travel again with Paul and 
as they were separated for a time in ministry, Paul and Timothy, Timothy would end up in prison for preaching the gospel of Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Paul was then, or excuse me, Timothy was set free and would then go back to Ephesus and likely worked with disciple John, whom we, of course, have looked at even just these last few weeks of who was the author of the Gospel of John, and of course, 1, 2, and 3 John. Timothy was now in Ephesus, recently released from prison, working with a man named John in the ministry there. And it is here where this last epistle that Paul would ever write Again, epistle means letter, as we say, epistle of to Timothy. It's the letter. Here in Ephesus is where this last letter that Paul would ever pen would be received by Timothy. It was his last statement, so to speak, to his dearly beloved son. You see, for now, Paul was in Rome. He was sentenced by execution, or to execution. He was now residing in a dark prison cell. The conditions surrounding Paul in this Roman prison were truly less than desirable than any of us would ever want or desire. The nauseating odors, the rats that would be his partners or his inmates, fellow inmates in this cell. The small bits and scraps of food that was given to Timothy, or uh, give, given to Paul that was just enough to keep him alive for his until he would have his death sentence carried out. It wasn't good conditions. And among these conditions is where the letter originated from. And as it's originated from this dark prison cell in Rome, it would go to Timothy in Ephesus. And with this background, with this context, Paul and Timothy serving together for much time, loving and enjoying the relationship of a father to a son, Endeared with heart, uh, endeared in their hearts, one with another. Working and serving in ministry, seeing lives changed through the gospel's sake. Now separated because of circumstance, Paul in prison for preaching Christ. Timothy now set free, preaching in Ephesus. And as we see Paul, he begins to write, look at verse number one with me once again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. It's incredible to me that Paul could write this very, these very words from a prison cell. from the conditions in which he was in. This wasn't the prison cells in which we envision. This was much worse. 
And yet he knew exactly whom he belonged to. He knew he was a son of God. He knew God had sent him. He knew this was the will of God for his life. A prison cell? He was comforted and focused that this is what God had for him. Look at verse number two. To Timothy. My dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Paul looks and longingly writes in this introduction. He says, Timothy, I love you. I long to be with you. But be assured that while I'm in this prison cell and you receive this letter, that I'm praying for you. I'm for you. And oh, I long to see your face and to see the tears of joy and of fellowship in which we could share. I long to see that. I can only envision Paul thinking in the future, soon I'm going to. Soon we'll be reunited for all of eternity and we will enjoy that fellowship one with another once again on the streets of gold in the presence of our Savior. But until that time, Paul was comforting Timothy. He was encouraging him, saying, I know our relationship. I know how dear we are one to another, and I love you, and I'm thankful for the privilege we have of working together, and I want you to know that I'm for you and that I am praying for you. Then we come to verse number five. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, That word unfeigned there means genuine, unhypocritical, sincere. He reminisces of that genuine faith, that authentic faith as we look through in 2020, that incredible faith that was real, it was present. Notice how Paul presents this authentic faith. He says, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, He says, I remember Lois. He said, I remember your grandmother. I remember her faith. Her faith was real. She got saved. Her Savior was real to her. She had a life that was moved by faith. And thy mother Eunice. He said, I saw your grandmother's faith. Hers was authentic. Timothy, I remember your mother Eunice. Her faith was real. Salvation wasn't just something in which she took as a possession, as a free ticket to heaven, but it was real. It was something that was invaluable to her. Her relationship with God was fully firmly built upon that. It was real to her. Salvation was not something in which she put on. It was something in which she was. It was real in her heart and life. And he says, I am persuaded that in thee also, 
He says, I've seen your grandmother's faith. It was real. He said, I've seen your mother's faith. It was real. He said, I've seen your faith. Your faith is real. He says, I've seen the the authenticism of your grandmother and your mother. I've seen your genuine and authentic faith. Your faith is unhypocritical. Your faith is sincere. Your faith is genuine. I've seen it, and I am persuaded that it's in you. Notice what he says. Wherefore, I put in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Look at verse number seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our word but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. I loved how Paul, I love how Paul transitions from the saving grace of God to the outflowing of that trust in the gospel. And he did so by stating of the faith that was the exposition of the foundation of Timothy's faith, the the foundation of Eunice's faith, the foundation of Lois's faith. There was something in their heart and life that moved them to action. He says, I've seen that. And we together have worked. We together have preached the gospel. We together have taught the Gentiles. We together have seen God blessed through gospel ministry. We have seen over and over and over again what is he doing he's pointing out the fact that your faith has been authentic because i've seen your works i've seen the actions in which you do remember faith is not something you possess it is something in which you do faith is action it is the muscle in which we move it's the muscle in which we open our mouth and preach the gospel of christ it's the faith in which we take to share the gospel of jesus christ whether it's online whether it's through sending a link whether it's through leaving out gospel leaflets however it may be but as we go forward in the gospel of christ the god uh, the god of all gods works through that faith paul said i've seen that faith i've seen how you have i've seen that action in which has come and we've worked together we truly have seen god bless and work Years ago, as a young boy, we lived in front of a river called the Blanchard River. This river wasn't a very deep river. It was in the back of our property, and we would, there was a, some large trees that bordered our garden from the river, and there was a long space, and we had a kind of a long, slender garden. We would love to play baseball growing up, of course, in the States, and we would stand near the back of our home where there was no windows and we would try to hit a home run over the trees and into the river, um, which was wonderful when that happened. However, when it's in the river, it's kind of hard to get once it happens. Uh, so you try to hit it hard enough where you could get there, but that it would land right at the edge or hit a tree. And we did that several times, tried to catch it out of the river. And then other times we just simply watched it drift. Uh, but it was a blessing living 
in front of a river. We got to experience some things that many people do not get to experience. We got to experience floods that would go literally up to the bottom of the first floor. And uh, my dad tells stories of scuba diving down the steps in our home uh, to save some electronic equipment that he was repairing because he had an electronic shop. And electronics and floodwaters, they don't mix. Um, and so he tells of stories of such. I've seen boats go down our, ri- or, or, or down our street and uh, through the floodplains there. And so we had some exciting times. One of the things that, as a teenager, I loved to do was to take a fishing pole and go back and fish out of the Blanchard River. It wasn't very deep, so we weren't very afraid of falling in. We could swim anyway, and uh, there was some carp and things like that in there and some catfish and such that we would enjoy fishing for. I remember going back, and we had this little spot. It was there was trees all over, and uh, but we had this little kind of a cove that had, was just naturally built by the riverside. And if you cast your rod just the right way, you would clear the trees, and you would be able to cast out. And you'd be careful that you cast it just the right way, because if you didn't, you were pulling your line out of the fishing or out of the tree and such like that. And uh, we would do so, and we were fishing out there for some time, and. As we were doing so, the sun was out and it was sparkling upon the water, but as we were looking at the shallow bank and the water that was at the edge in front of us, there was something that was sparkling. But it wasn't above the water, it was under the water. That kind of captivated my mind. What is that? I looked at it and thought about it for a moment, and eventually I reached out and with, uh, as far as I could and moved some of the mud and such and there was a little more of a shine. I thought, what is this? And I reached down and picked it up out of the mud and it was stone-shaped with mud all over it, but there were some shiny spots on it that, of course, washed away from the currents of the water and such. And I began to wipe away more of what was shiny or what I thought the shiny area. And as I wiped away that mud and that filth from that rock, it began to be more and more shiny. In fact, it began to glisten a bright yellow color. I was very excited. I was, as I wiped away and I saw more and more yellow and more and more shiny material, I thought, I just found gold thought, hallelujah, I'm thinking, you know, as a teenager, Ferrari, here I come. Uh, You know, I've got it. Uh, This is is it. I'm going to be able to fund everything I want to do in the future. I have found gold. I was ecstatic. I dropped my fishing rod there and ran up to my dad who was working uh, in that uh, 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 on the ground floor there of our building. And I walked up to him and I said, look what I found. He looked at it and said, oh, that's nice. I thought, what do you mean that's nice? <laughs> I just found gold. <laughs> all, 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 all our finances are all gone, right? Are, 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 all, are all in the clear now. We are, we are set. <laughs> There's probably more out there. We're good. I said, don't you see? It's gold. He dropped what he was doing, and he looked at me, and he says, Justin, let's look a little further. 
I said, okay. He did a couple of things to it, and he set it down. And he said, Justin, you have found fool's gold. I said, what? It's still gold, though, right? <laughs> yes, but it's not worth anything. It looks good. It looks like you want it. But when you uncover it, and when you begin to dig into it, it's not what it seems. This year, our faith has been exposed. Our faith is tested by fire. It exposes where we're trusting, where we're believing. If our faith has been built upon what the government can do and does do for us, we've been let down in 2020. In fact, if your faith is truly in the government, you're scared, you're frightened right now. Because they don't have the answers. They never did. But it's been exposed this year. If your faith is built upon what a doctor can do or what a physician is able to do, you're struggling right now. Because they don't have the answers. And the answer that they think is the answer is not the results in which they anticipated all the fully. There's questions that they don't have the answer for. If your faith is built firmly upon finances and about what a pound amount can do, we've seen how quickly this year, how quickly finances can flee and cannot be fully trusted. If your faith is truly built upon a belief that there is no God, that there is no one who is our creator, our designer, there is no one who loves us like the Almighty God. You've seen that exposed this year and you've seen the results of that belief system. We're seeing it displayed before us. The chaos that we are seeing in our society today has been taught that we are nothing more than animals and as animals, the fittest should survive. And we're seeing that play out in society's methodology today. Our faith is exposed God wipes away that mud to expose the faith that we've established in our life. But if we see just the faith, it might look genuine, it might look real. But let me ask you, when we test that gold, what do we find? What is it built upon? 
Look at verse number 12, please. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Paul just talked about what he has acted upon by faith. And as he says that he's acted upon in gospel ministry and the ministry in which God has set upon him, he says, I'm not ashamed. He says, you can test what my faith is made of. You can test what it is because I'm not ashamed of it. For he says, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He says, you can test my faith. He says, you can take my faith and you can melt it down. You can expose it to fire. You can, you, uh, uh, you can uh, uh, search out the elements and you can see fully and expose in what I believe. You see, Paul reminded Timothy, I know not what many may believe and act upon, but it will be exposed. It will be brought out. And where that belief lies, will expose where our faith has been built upon. You see, our faith is built upon hope and belief. Let me ask you this morning, do you believe God? Let me ask you the question, where is your belief lying? Where is your faith built upon? As we think about a genuine faith acts upon, what is your faith built upon? Are you more firmly founded in the gospel this morning? Or are you firmly founded in what your conveniences are suffering for this morning? Are you firmly founded upon the belief of your wonderful God? Or are you focused this morning upon circumstances that will flee away? Where is your belief this morning? And so in 2021, God has firmly rested upon my heart and our life that we were to take that stand of 2 Timothy 1.12. And as Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I pray, and I pray that this year we will look back and we will say, I believe. And may I release to you this morning... Turn, if you would, to the next slide, David, if you would. And I want you to see this morning in full and write it upon stone upon your heart, that statement, I believe. Would you firmly ground your faith this, week, uh, this year? Would you firmly root your life upon Jesus Christ, upon God and God alone? My friend, there is no greater foundation than God. Do you know whom you have believed? I pray today that you will say, I know whom I have believed. And as we look this year on this very thing of the, our belief and where we stand upon, may it be rooted and grounded firmly upon God and God alone. We need some Christians today that know what they believe. We have Christians today that are following, falling for heresies and for lies and for false doctrine. We need some Christians today that will be able to stand and say, I know where my beliefs lie. I know what I believe and why I believe it. And so this year, we're going to look at some doctrines. We'll make them practical. We'll make them relevant because they are. They're as relevant today as they were when the Bible was penned. I want us to firmly found and root our lives in the belief and the hope of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. May we believe. Paul 
waiting for his execution. Knowing that his death was imminent. Looked through the pen to Timothy. Said, I've done what I know is right. I'm happy to end my life knowing that I have preached salvation through Jesus alone. He did so with a clear conscience. He knew what he believed. And notice how he instructs Timothy on this belief. Look at verse 13 and we're done. Hold fast the form of sound which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. As Paul neared his execution, he admonished Timothy. You've seen me act on faith. And what you've seen me act upon on faith, keep doing. You've heard me preach. You've heard me teach. And what you've heard me preach and teach, keep teaching. He said, what I've committed to you, he says, what I've trusted you with, keep believing. He said, keep going forward. He would instruct Timothy to take those same truths that he taught, uh, taught, uh, uh, taught this man. And he says, Timothy, he said, I want you to commit those things to other men. I want you to commit those things to others so they may continue the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, Paul, or Paul says, Timothy, I know what I believe. And you need to have that testimony that likewise says, I believe. May we truly this year grow in our belief in the doctrines of God. There's no greater subject. There's no inexhaustible subject like God. And I pray that our belief in the Lord will be strengthened. May we, when December 31st, 2021 ends, look and say, I believe, and I know what I believe. Let's learn doctrine this year. We're doing things a little different. I'll talk about that next week. A little different this year than what we have in previous years. But God is firmly rooted upon my heart and life that we need to look at the Word of God very carefully. And we need to establish and root our life in some doctrines, core foundational doctrines that will help us navigate life. And when circumstances continue or even increase, bring pressures upon our faith say you bring the fires you could bring the pressures 
You can try to expose every part of my belief, but when you do so, you will find it's genuine. It's authentic. Because this faith is built upon the, uh, my belief in God and God alone. There's no right like the rightness of God. He is righteousness. May we too, I thank you.